want to turn your attention today to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 6. I'm going to read from two texts that seem somewhat puzzling in correlation one with another. I'll be reading from 1 Kings 8 and Luke, the 7th chapter. If you want to use your index finger and your middle finger as holders, We'll be going there momentarily. For those that did not bring a Bible, we brought a pretty large screen or two to help you out. To our parents and pastors that are visiting with us today as you have dropped off your students for our college, we consider it a high honor to have you with us here today. We're humbled by your trust in Indiana Bible College, the exceptional leadership of our Executive Vice President and his wife, the Galleons, and our amazing deans and professors, and all of the staff that works hard. We welcome you here to worship with us, and we're delighted and honored that you would be here. To our regular saints, oh, how it does my heart good to see you in this house today. To the visitors that have taken time, whether they bribed you with lunch or a refresh, I really don't care. I'm just glad you're here. And I want you to know we did all this for you. Hoping you might make a statement and walk into this house because I want to tell you whether this is your first day or not, He has plans for your life. He has plans for your life. 1 Kings chapter 8, I think I've found given you adequate time to find the text. 1 Kings chapter 8, I want to read verse 10 and verse 11. It is a very familiar portion of Scripture at the completion of the house of the Lord, the temple that Solomon had worked and built to fulfill the dream of his father. And it came to pass, verse 10 says, when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory. Everyone say the glory. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. I turn your attention now to a much different story over in the book of Luke. In the 36th verse of Luke 7, Luke 7, and I will read four verses, verse 36 through 39. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into that Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in that Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, stood at his feet, behind him weeping, began to wash his feet with tears, did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed the feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman 
this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. In 1 Kings 8, following the priests, we have a move of God. In Luke chapter 7, sitting in Simon's house, following the worship of a sinner, we have a move of God. Whether you're a seasoned saint, you know every religious ritual, or whether you feel like you're the most sinful person that's ever walked into the church. In fact, you're that person that's used the excuse, I don't think I should go there. Lightning may strike. I've got good news for you. According to the text, you can have a move of God. And so I would preach to you this morning and ask the Holy Ghost to help us as we pray on this thought in Indy as in heaven. Would you lift your hands and your voices all over this place? Come on, would you lift your voices and would you pray that the Word of God would do and serve its intended purpose? God, I'm asking you to help me preach the way I believe you have tried to deposit into my spirit. Let me bear that before these people. Not to preach a sermon, but to deliver a word from God here today. We ask for your help in this house, in the mighty name of Jesus, and let everyone shout amen. amen. And you may be seated. Try those pews out. Somebody shout glory. glory. Come on, somebody that's not used to shouting, shout glory. Glory, glory that Hebrew word, God, in the Old Testament, that theological term, Typically speaking about God's work of judgment, salvation, and blessing. It's used so many times. There's great and consistent secular usage in the Old Testament to which I would bring account today. That Hebrew word for glory was often speaking about things which were substantial. And we have representation throughout the great prophets like Isaiah about the substantial nature of his glory. It was shown on display through things like honor and fame to bring or to give or allow glory, social status. Someone might be considered with glory, the greatness, the wealth, the power. It's used awesome in its very meaning, awesomeness or honor or substantial. It is the glory. But it's important that we recognize as we work through the text that glory, real glory, real glory comes from God. The Old Testament using this terminology and even dealing with material things or social status, we would look at places like the riches and the honor of Solomon that we read about in 1 Kings 3 and we can compare them to places like the book of Proverbs. Psalms 21 says the Davidic king's glory is great, not by himself, but through the salvation of God. Psalms 8 and 5 says that God has crowned humanity with glory and honor, not of their own doing, but because of Him. Isaiah, using the term glory, was speaking about a renewal, not that men would bring, not that kings would bring, but that the King of kings 
would bring. It would be the glory in the renewal of the people. Isaiah chapter 4 starts talking about glory as it's speaking to agricultural prosperity. In Isaiah 61, when he's talking about glory, he's referencing the riches of the nations. I'm, I'm starting this very intentional to tell you that if we're going to talk about glory in this house, I want to make sure that every time we talk about glory, we recognize the God that we're talking about. Not the glory in new cars and not the glory in new paint, not the glory in new carpet and not the glory of a new lighting system, but the glory of a God that's made it all possible. I want it to be very understood that if we say the church looks beautiful, it's because we say because we know he's good and his mercy endureth forever. When somebody says, man, I love the way that the sound system came in, I want us to be able to say, you know, it was God who helped make all of this possible. Every volunteer that worked did so because God gave them the health to get here and to get it done. Every dollar that had been given was given because God gave us the jobs to be able to bless the king. It's not by might and it's not by my power, but it's because God has given the increase to this. It's his spirit and he deserves the glory. Glory often is associated in the Old Testament with kings. For example, in 2 Chronicles 32, we see Hezekiah's subjects. They, they did him that honor at his death. They were trying to be there. Isaiah chapter 14 talks about the kings of the nation lying in glory. It's all referencing this honor, this substance that was there. I want to talk a little bit about some of these Old Testament, if you'll bear with me, references to the glory of God. Isaiah 42 and 12, to give God glory is to acknowledge his honor and his praise. Because I've, I've, I've heard it asked before, what does it really mean to give him glory? I want to share it with you. Isaiah 42 and 8, God states that he will not share his glory with other gods. Time out. Preacher, pause from the beginning. I want God to know that our attention today will not be divided between him and our new aesthetics. I don't want you to misunderstand me because I'm thankful for everything we've got. I am rejoicing about what the Lord has done. But I want him to know we didn't show up to worship the carpet and we didn't show up to worship the new paint color and we didn't... I thank God for that coffee area, but we didn't show up to worship that. The only reason we're here today is because we know the one that is worthy of all glory and all the honor and all the praise. So from the rising of the sun until the setting of the same, we've come to declare, let the name of the Lord be praised and let the name of the Lord be lifted. He was good, I'm gonna tell you, and I'm, I like all the green. Everybody that pulled that off on me, I didn't know there was a rumor going around. If you see a bunch of people in green, they got me with that today. But I'm gonna tell you right now, he was good when the carpet was green. He was good when all the pews had holes in them. He was good when there were odd places on. 
This didn't make God any better, but it did let God know we honor your house because we honor your glory. We honor the house of God because we honor the God of the house. We didn't do this because we think the house makes you better. We just know that you're worthy. We just know that you're worthy. Somebody shout amen. Psalm chapter three and three describes his glory as a, our God as a shield about me and my glory. Zechariah two and five, God declares that he will be a wall of fire around Jerusalem, the glory in her midst. Oh, I want him to be the glory in the midst of this place today. Ezekiel 39, Yahweh's decisive defeat at Gog said we'll display his glory. How many of you in this room, God's ever done something for you? Raise your hand. I want you to know what you just did. You just gave him glory. You just told the enemy, quit lying to me and quit lying to other people. I know Ezekiel prophesied about that, but I'm, I'm prophesying to somebody that if he did it for every hand that just went up, he can do it for you and it will be to the glory, the glory of God. Somebody say amen. God's general presence here. We're seeing the biblical text creating, created here and displayed for us as describing God as filling in Jeremiah noted the heavens and the earth. Isaiah 6 says the whole earth is full of, the whole earth is full of his glory. But we know David had a dream to fulfill and to build that house unto the name of the Lord. And he didn't get it accomplished, but Solomon comes along and he begins to build. He begins to build that house. And I've preached on it here. You've heard it many times, 153,000 different men in seven years and they put everything in place and they carry the stone and they lay it. I don't know how we would be here if it wasn't for some modern technology today. Thank God for some modern technology and some modern work tools to get this done. Otherwise, it would not have been this quick. I promise you that. They got it all done. And all of a sudden, something powerful happened. A cloud was about to fill that house. A cloud was about to fill that place. It was going to be the manifest glory of God. It wasn't the first time that the cloud had shown up. We read about it throughout the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 13, 21. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them by the way. We know that he went in a cloud by day and fire by night. Exodus 16. It came to pass as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation. Verse 10. Of the children of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness. And behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Exodus 19 and 9. The Lord said unto Moses... Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud. Exodus 24, 15. Moses went up into the mount and it was a cloud that covered the mount. For anybody in here that doesn't like cloudy days, I'm about to preach about it. Numbers 14 and 14. And they will tell to the inhabitants of the land for they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face and that thy cloud standeth over them and that thou goest before them by daytime in a 
pillar of cloud. Psalm 78 and 14. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud. Psalm 105, he spread a cloud for their covering. Pastor Carson, why you keep reading so many verses tied to the same thing? Because I need us to recognize that when the cloud showed up in 1 Kings, it was not an accident or a confusion. When the cloud showed up in there, it was in direct response to them bringing the ark of God, the presence of God, and saying, what good is this building that's taken seven years and 150,000 plus people? What good is this building if the presence of God doesn't fill this house? To which I would say, what good is the money that's been spent? And what's good is the paint that's been put up? And what good is the carpet that's been laid? And what good is... What good is the classes that have been refreshed if we can walk out of here like it's any other social... We didn't update the YMCA. We didn't update some local community or government building. We weren't in here just trying to make this look nice because it was just like any other. So I'm gonna say it again. I might be redundant today. Thank God for the paint. Thank God for the lights. Thank God for the carpet. But here's what I'm thankful for more than anything. I'm thankful for God and I'm thankful for you because we don't really have a church unless we've got the presence of God and the people of the name. Here's what I ask God. God, if everybody, if everybody shows up today and all we do is stand around and ooh and ah. Because that's how I feel like it might have been in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 38 or so when they're finishing that thing and working on into 1 Kings chapter 8 when they're carrying. And I see everybody gathering around the house of the Lord. Look, woo See some guy walking up saying, look at my stonework. Somebody, I, I did these floors just right. And everybody's admiring the stuff until they get the ark of the Lord in its appropriate place. And all of a sudden at the transition of worship, <laughs> At the transition of worship, now all of a sudden, the Bible says that the glory of the Lord fills that house. Watch this. The cloud becomes so thick that they could not stand to minister. Here's what happened. The glory became so overwhelming that it drowned out all the aesthetic updates. It drowned out all the... All the manufacturing that had been done with hands. And so while they were thankful for a house, everybody had to stop and stand in awe of the presence of God. I got good news for you today. He is here. He's in this place. Anything that you need, the glory is here. Anything that you're desiring, the glory is here. I wish you would lift your hands. I wish you would lift your voice and begin to say to God, be the glory. To God, be the glory. To God, be the glory. Now you listen to me. That house was a big deal, but that house was going to get toppled. That house was going to crumble. It was going to fall. There was going to be Babylonian siege, and it was going to crumble. But there was going to be a prophet by the name of Haggai that would walk on the, walk on the scene and say, I've got a word from God. The glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former house. 
and people struggled with that. If you read it, you read Ezra, you read Haggai. The people were concerned. There was half the people that was concerned about the nostalgia of what it used to look like. Somebody said, have you had any elders that have been upset about the changes? I said, my God, the elders have led the way. And elders, we thank you. But you've got half the people here in this situation that are mourning what it used to be so loudly that it begins to damper those that are excited about what it could be. And it's confusion to the people. But the prophet said, you listen to me right now. It's never been simply about a building. There is something coming. There is a glory of the latter house that is gonna be greater than the glory of the former house. What was he talking about? That the building would be built more beautiful? No, he was recognizing there's coming a day when the cloud filled that house, but Jesus is gonna walk into the next temple. He's gonna walk... I thank God for where we've been. And I thank God for the manifestation of the cloud and every theophany that occurred. But nothing has changed us like when Jesus walked into the house of God. He walked into the house and he turned over tables and he said, this isn't gonna be a den of thieves. My house is gonna be a house of... It's gonna be a house of prayer. Brother Henderson, when Jesus walked into that house, it changed the dynamic of everything. It changed the... The only people that didn't like it is the people that were so religious but had no relationship. The people that were overly religious and had their custom down, but they looked the part, but they weren't the part. You hear me right now. I don't want to look the part and not be the part. I want this to be a church where everybody who comes here knows Jesus is here. You got a drug problem? Good news, Jesus is here. You got an alcohol addiction? Good news, Jesus is He'll turn the table over on that. He will disrupt. How many know he can drive it out? Boy, I feel that, so I'm gonna park there for a minute. He can drive the deception out of your life. You, somebody's here today and you felt like you'll never get freed from a generational curse that's been against you, that you've gotta stay a liar, or you've gotta stay a cheater, or you've gotta stay overwhelmed. I got good news for you, the glory of the latter house. You say, yeah, but I walked away from God. I heard you sing it, I didn't tell him what to sing today. I, I walked away from God though. I came to church as a child and I've done all this stuff. You don't understand. I've lived some, I got good news for you. The glory of the latter house is gonna be greater. Well, pastor, I don't know if God really restores people. You better read this book again. He's able to reach right into the life of any person. He can turn it all around. What are you praying? I'm praying let it be in India as in heaven. Let it be in India as in heaven. Let there be worship in India as in. So 
So our association of glory in the Old Testament is so typically tied to a cloud that we can read it. We can read the manifestation of his presence often tied to a cloud. But if you will allow me the leverage this morning, I want to tell you about another cloud. Because there is a cloud in the book of Hebrews. No, it's not fog and it's not a nimbus. It's not thick and ready to rain physical raindrops. But it is a cloud and it does have a voice. Because Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, We're compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. In the Old Testament, he would speak to them from a cloud. But in the New Testament, he gave them a revelation. You used to need me, but I'm going to give you not just needing some theophany. I'm going to put my... I'm going to put people that have taken on the opportunity. I would speak to you from the cloud, but I'm going to give you a cloud of people. And here's what they're going to be doing. They're going to be saying, you can do it. You can make it. You can live for God. You can be holy. You can be righteous. Here's the deal. I'm going to try to get up to the cloud. I'm going to try to get up as high as I can. I'm going to try to get up because I want you to see the illustration here this morning because there are saints that have gone on before us that they saw the day when they prayed prophetically that this house would be filled and that there would be a revival church in Indianapolis. And I see that great cloud and they're saying you can do it. You can reach the city. You can have revival. You don't have to settle. You don't have to stop. You don't have to. Well, who's in that cloud? I bet it's a bunch of perfect people. No, it's a bunch of people that found out he was perfect. It's a bunch of people. No, no, no. Not that had a Pentecostal pedigree, but they found out that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Come on, let it be in Indy as in heaven. I want you to lift your hands all over this building and begin to give him praise. I wish every voice would begin to pray, let it be in Indy, as in heaven. Let it be in Indy, as in heaven. Let it be in Indy. Let it be in your family. Let it be in your neighborhood. Let it be in your mind. Let it be in your heart. Let it be in my neighbor's In India as in heaven. It was that cloud. It was that cloud that filled it. Be seated. I'll tell you who it's filled with. It's filled with people like that woman in Luke 7. Brother Fridley, whoo, I can't believe she had the audacity to show up at Simon's house. But I got news for you. Anytime Jesus shows up, it becomes Jesus' place. <laughs> if your house ain't God's place, you need a reevaluation. 
I don't want him just here. I want him at my... I like when contractors show up to my house and they say, what do I feel here? Had a contractor walk into the house and barely got into the house and he said, you're a believer, aren't you? You better believe it. She comes, she comes crying her way into Simon's house. Oh, pastor, what's this have to do with 1 Kings? Stick with me. She comes crying her way into Simon's house. Brings in that alabaster box. Breaks it. Cries tears. She's washing his feet with tears. She's drying them with hair. What is she doing? She's worshiping Jesus. That's what she's doing. She's worshiping. Well, people probably thought that she was crazy. They did. And they were so busy being worried about the expense that she was wasting that they were missing the fact he was about to take her sins away. You got old Judas up in the mix so bothered. You got Simon. Simon's kicked back, burping roast beef. Reasoning within himself. Watch this. If he knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't let her, he knew. If he, if he knew, he wouldn't let her touch him. He wouldn't let her be close to him. Watch this. In his thoughts, he put on display his lack of trust in Christ's ability. But a little old wretched sinner had a better revelation of who he was. <laughs> she didn't look the part. She didn't talk the part. Her pedigree was not the part. But she came stumbling in that room. <laughs> crying so hard. Didn't care who saw him. And Simon sat back. If he knew who she was. And Jesus said, hey Simon, listen. I got something to say to you. <laughs> Starts talking about debtors and forgiveness. Said one person has a little bit forgiven and another one has a lot forgiven. Who do you think is going to be a more grateful? Well, probably the one with the bigger debt. You're right. You're right. You, you did that right. So let me get, help you get something else right. That's what he tells him. He said, I came into your house. You didn't anoint my feet. It took a sinner coming to your place to make me feel welcome. You didn't give me any oil. You didn't anoint my head. I was waiting on her. She knows my burial's coming more than you do. Ooh. I came into your place and didn't even feel like I belonged until the one you thought didn't belong came in. And when she showed up in here and recognized it wasn't about the fact that this had your name on the door, I'm going to preach about this for a second. This place isn't great because it's Calvary Tabernacle. Any more than that house was great because it was Simon's place. Some of y'all might not, okay. Let me back that up right now. This place isn't great because of, our, because of our name. It isn't great because we're at 902 Fletcher. This place is great for one reason. This is the place sinners stumble in. 
This is a place of, dis of divine disruption where sinners show up and they don't, how many know they don't always know our protocol? They don't know how to clap on two and four. Don't know, don't care. Don't know the lyrics to our songs. But you know what they heard? They heard Jesus is here. She walked, you listen to me. She walked into that house. Everybody else was dressed right. Everybody else was dressed right and Jesus still didn't feel welcome. Everybody else was religious. But it took a rank sitter slamming through the door and saying, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And while Simon's thinking, get out of my house, Jesus was saying, I finally feel welcome. I finally feel it. We want you to be welcome in this house. We don't want this to be about religiosity. We don't want this to be about... We know that we are sinners that have been saved by the grace of God. How many know you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him? Now, he didn't expect her to stay that way. How do you know that? He took her sins away. He was changing her life. And however you walked in here today, if you've walked in here a sinner, he intends to take your sins. Woo! How do you know he wants to? And how do you know he can? He is faithful. And he is just to forgive. If you will confess your... Man, I feel something in this room right now. Why do we do it? Why do we do this? All heaven rejoices. Over one. I thank God for the thousand some people that walked in here today. But let me tell you when heaven got excited. When somebody in this room, you're not used to being here. And they started singing. And you don't even know why you felt goosebumps up and down your spine. And you don't know why nobody let you sit down. And everybody was standing. Finally, you just had to sit down, but then you found yourself. There's somebody in this room that you didn't plan on crying, but you stood in the worship service and something in your body started. You didn't even know why you were crying and you thought it was just emotion. It wasn't just emotion. It's the presence of God that's in this place and he's been calling you and he's been drawing you and he's been wanting you to know that he wants to do in your life right here in Indy as it is in heaven and heaven and the cloud of witnesses are on the edge of their seat and they're looking down at you and saying you can do it. Come on, repent of those sins. Come on, tell the Lord. Somebody shout glory. glory. It's his glory. It is. How many remember in the Old Testament was a cloud by day? It was a cloud by day. And I just told you in Hebrews, the revelatory state, statement there that there was a cloud, that great cloud of witnesses. I'm gonna tell you one of the most famous clouds of the New Testament that wasn't called a cloud, but it was a cloud by day. It's when a group of people before Hebrews 12 would ever be in existence, it was a first group that stumbled out of an upper room. And they begin to bear witness. 
Oh, of course he's going to preach about Pentecost. You better believe it, baby. Because that's the cloud by day. When they came witnessing out of that room and all of the people out of all those nations said, aren't all these that speak Galileans? Then how do we hear them in our own language? And they were magnifying God and they were praising God. I'll tell you what they were doing. They were being a cloud by day in the middle of day when Pentecost had fully come and they were bearing them witness and they were bringing it to a place where it would set up the stage for Peter to stand up and say what I'm about to speak in the middle of this day on a Sunday. Sunday in August to everybody that'll hear me. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. How many still believe that that happens today? I know we believe in repentance. But right up here, there's a baptismal that's waiting for somebody that says, I'd kind of like to get in that cloud of witnesses. I'd kind of like to make sure I'm a part of that. I'm going to tell you how to do it. If you want to make it to heaven, then you've got to become in Indy as it is in heaven. There's a divine plan that has been mapped out. And if you need a cloud, hello. Because the cloud was to lead them. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. That cloud was the temporary manifestation. It was the cloud. He spoke from the cloud. He gave them clarity from the cloud. When the Israelites didn't know when to move, if the cloud wasn't leading them, they wouldn't move. If the fire wasn't leading them, they wouldn't move. So they knew how to move and how to transition. It was in the daytime. And so I'm going to give you daytime revelation today. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, you better stop waiting. You better stop putting it off today is your day to be I need about 500 witnesses that would say I remember when I went down in the waters and every sin was washed away I've never come on you ought to be a witness today I bear witness to the day my sins were remitted they were washed away in the waters of baptism Well, I told God I was sorry. Isn't that enough? No. It's a good start. But you got to have them remitted. The same way they baptized in the, in the early church. It's the only way they were baptized. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and your children, all that are afar off. You said, I've been going a long way. All that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Come on, I need about 500 more that can remember when you were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How many remember when you were speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance? Yeah, well, we want His glory to fill the house. Good news, you're here. 
wait a minute, pastor, you, you're not saying we're the glory of God. I'm saying you're his glory on display. He's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. It was a cloud by day to give them direction. Every person that comes in contact with you as a member of Calvary Tabernacle, you ought to be able to give them direction. You ought to be able to, if you'll follow me, I'll lead you to the promised land. If you'll follow me, I'll direct you. If you'll follow me, I'll take you to a place. Wait a minute, what about the religious folk? Don't worry about the religious folk. Religious folk, just, just don't worry about them. You just cry even if Simon doesn't like it. You just worship even if the Pharisees don't get down with it. You just magnify God. Even. Because this is not a house of judgment. This is a house of glory. This is a house of the kingdom of God on display. So I'm lifting my voice and I'm saying, let it be on Indy. Let it be in Indy. Let it be in Calvary. Let it be in Indy as in heaven. Let heaven rejoice because sinners find hope here. Let heaven rejoice because we baptize in the name of would you lift your hands as I close all over this? Stand with me all over this house. In Indy.